Let me read through this real quick just to like, refresh my brain and then we can get started. Oh, okay. Fine, it's next. Like the M MTV dating show, next. What? There was a show like that? Yeah. <sighs> it's where like five guys are in a bus and each one goes on a date until the girl decides that she wants to date one of them. So anytime during the date, the girl can say next and that's when the other boy comes in. That's... And she keeps doing it until she finds a guy she likes. And then the guy she likes can either say, yes, I'm going to go on a date with you or I want the prize money. What the heck? turtles and a happy new year welcome to the first ever episode of the turtle talk podcast i'm your host magpie and these are my two co-hosts reziot and ellie hello hello a little bit about us my pronouns are she her and i'm a fanfic writer podficker and now i get to be a podcaster hello my pronouns are him his primarily a fanfic writer but I've also dabbled in crafting, podficking, and now for the first time, podcasting. Hi, uh, I don't really care about my pronouns, but most people usually use she, her for me. I write sometimes and I draw stuff and now I'm podcasting. Heck yeah, guys. So now in this little podcast we have here, we're going to be discussing all things Tower of God. That includes theories, headcanons, and character analysis. But... We have topics we're going to avoid, too. So, we are not talking about large age gap ships, incest, or any ships involving White, because he has five kids in a trench coat, and four of them don't want to be there. We also welcome audience interaction, but comments that we will delete are open bigotry, discrimination, racism, homophobia, transphobia, and basically, you trying to start shit. I will stomp you to death with my hooves. <laughs> what who's who's it will not be pretty so please don't tempt us i don't want to clean up this mess again please not don't again. tempt magpie to not stomp you with a hose <laughs> do not tempt me they are ready they're finely pointed Oh God. So, now on to the first order of business. What brought us into the Tower of God fandom in the first place? Uh, shall I go first then? You shall. <laughs> okay, so I, I've been reading Webtoons for a while, but I never opened Tower of God before because I, I saw the art style and I felt it wasn't my cup of tea. And it also didn't really, I, I don't know, it was... Uh, it didn't really do a great job at advertising itself in the beginning, I felt. So I was I didn't give it a chance and now I regret that. So how I ended up getting into the series is someone that I talked to was talking about the anime and I decided to check out the anime. And then I saw the first episode for Tower of God and wow, it kind of blew me away with the imagery, like the whole imagery with head-on in the first episode. And that, then I went and marathoned the whole webtoon in like a week. Nice. A week? Nice. <laughs> it took me a longer <laughs> time than that. 
But also, can we acknowledge the fact that Hidon has the same slit for his eyes and his mouth? God, that's so cursed. I hate that. Why are his eyes and mouth teeth in the same place? You should not be sharing eye space with teeth space. God, oh, God. now I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> uh. It definitely adds to the creepiness of the tower. I think it's a perfect introduction. It begs the question, if instead of blinking, to keep his eyes moist, does he lick them? Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, now that we've given you nightmares, um, let me <laughs> tell you about how I got, I got into the fandom. I first saw Tower God when I was browsing webtoons for a whole bunch of different other uh, comics, but I just put it on the back burner because it didn't really appeal to me. Then I saw that the first episode of the anime came out and I was like, all right, I'll give this a try. It looks like it's pretty popular. I hated it. It was not, uh, it was pretty Whoa. boring, slow paced. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, but it's pretty popular. So it's got to have some substance somewhere. I finally decided to just give the web webtoons a try. Started reading it oh, and God. slushed through the first season. As soon as I got past that, I could not turn back. I was devouring the rest of it. But it still took me about three or four months to complete it. And then I went back and devoured the whole anime. Suddenly everything made sense. It was so good. And then I, I reached out in the fandom. I'm like, I need to talk to people about this. This is too good. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't slosh through season one. Season one is a treasure. And none of us deserve right? it. Season one is is this very charming, quirky era of the series, I feel, compared to when it got more shonen-themed in later seasons. I think that was kind of it. It was too much world-building, and me with my short attention span, I just wanted to see more action. And there was periods of action. The Crown Games was really cool. But God, I love the Crown Games. <laughs> everything else outside <laughs> of that, it was kind of diff especially the art style. It's got a little difficult to go through. Yeah, no, I think that's fair because like when you go through it the first time, you can't really appreciate season one, but then you go on to later on seasons and it's like, oh God, give me season one back. Season three. <laughs> we'll come back to that later. <laughs> I'll still take season two over season one, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's season two, season one, and season three, which is actually the exact same ranking I have for High School Musical. You like High School Musical 2 over 1? Yeah. You got something to say about that, punk? High School Musical 2 was the worst one. I have nothing to add to this. We joust behind the Denny's with swords. Gonna have a snap-off? <laughs> gonna get your gang in? Gonna do some dancing yeah, numbers in the back of Denny's? I would win <laughs> because I am right. I would win because I am right and I should say it. High School Musical 2 was shit. High School Musical uh -huh. 2 had fucking, it had Chayan in it. It had Chad and Ryan in okay, look, it, The only good thing it had in it was the I Don't Dance section. Other than that, it was crap. So Magpie, tell us about how you got into the fandom. Okay, hold on. Let me just release all of my anger. Deep breath in. Deep breath out. Think about... <sighs> Stomping the haters. With my hooves? With yes. your hooves. So actually, I am a way, 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 way back fan. I think I 
found the webtoon when I was about nine or 10, when it was in its first initial seasons. Mm -hmm. And I just kept coming back to it every few months. And I also kept coming back to Tumblr every few months. And each time mm -hmm. I was super disappointed because there was like two pieces of art and like no one talking about it. And I was like, why isn't there more recognition? This is so good. And also Kuhn is gay. Tumblr is for gay people. Why aren't they talking about this? And then one day when I was 18, I woke up and I discovered that they were making a, an anime about it. And I was so hyped. And then the anime brought in so many new fans and I was like, yes. And so I decided to jump into fandom for the first ever time because I've never like made a fan account or like done fan fiction or anything before. So mm -hmm. my Kuhn founded account is my first ever like me reaching out. And then I made a discord server and wrote fan fiction. And now I'm doing a podcast. So really tower of God has brought me a lot of good things. You are knee deep in the fandom now. Welcome. I am more than knee deep. I am like neck deep. <laughs> About Tower of God not being big like 10 years ago, I think it's also partly that webtoons itself weren't particularly big 10 years ago. That that was the period that was mostly very anime manga craze from the, that period. And most people didn't even know webtoons was a thing. Yeah, Mama didn't really start to kick in until a couple years ago, like maybe four yeah, years like ago with Line. Maybe three, four years ago with Line and like Noblesse and the game of being really big hits. Yeah, still, I just, I saw this amazing thing and I was like, people need to see this. And finally, we are in the best timeline. I can't believe you were on Tumblr when you were 9, 10 years old. What were you doing uh, on Tumblr at that age? Looking for fan art. <laughs> <laughs> I had open access to the internet and I was a curious girl and like 9, 10, 11 was when I was discovering my sexuality. So. And back okay, then so Tumblr yeah. did have porn, so. <laughs> that is not why I was on there. No. God, Bad I hope not. Bonk. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you guys. But just like, what is being in this fandom brought you guys? Uh, the ability to host a podcast, apparently. Nice. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, let me elaborate. Like, I wouldn't have gotten involved in something like a podcast because before, because I'm not, I haven't really been someone who gets involved in fandom much before Tower of God. It, um, when I was first getting into who, the whole anime manga scene online, I mostly avoided fandoms because they looked very terrifying with all the ship wars and the infighting and mostly the screaming. Mostly the screaming. <laughs> so this is kind of my first experience getting involved enough to host a podcast together with someone about something. Heck yeah. Time zone high five. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, do not remind me of how weird my time zone is. It's a challenge we're willing to face for the <laughs> fandom. 
for the fandom, we will do it for and you. And not for my company. <laughs> well, that's a bonus. Well, we already have your company. <laughs> and what was your experience with the fandom? Rezzy? Well, my first fandom that I got involved in was Mortal Instruments, and that was many years ago. And that was a love-hate relationship with the fandom. And I ended up quitting and disappearing from fandom for about eight years. Oh, wow. And it was a pretty sad, empty time battling with depression and anxiety and a whole bunch of other stuff. But when I finished reading Tower of God, I was overwhelmed with the story and, and just everything going on. And I jumped in the fandom headfirst and you guys welcomed me with like open arms. It was yeah. amazing. So I'm here to stay. This is, um, you get the whole fandom is just incredibly positive. I'm tearing up. We're glad to have you, Rezzy, because like I love reading your content. Anything you write, it's, it's such a blessing. Anything Rezzy does, we're like, please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> Oh my goodness. We really are. There, There is this big thing in the fandom where we encourage everyone to create anything and everything. Art, uh, music, writing. I'm like mm -hmm. doing craft things. I'm, I'm making jewelry and stuff based on this thing. It's pretty amazing how versatile everyone is and how encouraging we are to get everyone involved in whatever ways they can. And we just mm -hmm. eat it up. We just shower people with praise. And I didn't see that before in other fandoms so i think that kind of makes us pretty unique mm -hmm. yeah i think a big reason why i didn't get into other fandoms was because they were scary and there were ship wars and people were so angry all the time and i was like how is this fun for you how is being in a fandom fun and then i came here and it was like oh you have to make it fun you have to be positive and encourage other people and like yeah be your own cheerleader yeah i think a lot of the fandom experience is that you end up carving out your own positive space rather than expecting the whole fandom to be this huge positive space like you just carve out small niches where people you like and people you interact with are positive and kind of just learn to ignore the shouting ones the horny ones the horny oh the really weird horny ones there are little groups of the fandom located in very different places you have your twitter discord tumblr groups and they all have their own personalities their own pros and cons but they all are a family and they do jump across each other you will see people involved in all the groups and i think the main reason is that they're not competitive and not something that you see in other fandoms where people are constantly competing against each other for attention because the groups are too big. Yeah. But I think right now we're at a really good spot with the amount of people involved where we can all get to know each other and appreciate each other's content. Hell yeah. I think it also helps that we don't have like these five, six really big creators in the fandom that get all the attention. So it's mostly like everyone gets a little bit of attention if they're trying to participate. That's a good point. Yeah. Because I know in like the Percy Jackson fandom, there were there was like this 
one or three artists that were big and those were the ones that always got the attention mm-hmm. and other artists struggled to get any but here it's just like we love content we love your content give it up like we really are starved for content <laughs> we are we're we're thirsty okay not the wording i would use but yes <laughs> okay fine i won't use thirsty but i am thirsty so i will take a drink <laughs> water is good water is the best and also, apparently, water is Shinsu? Apparently. Oh, God, do not get me started on the mechanics of Shinsu being air and water and everything. Shinsu is maybe the friends we made along the way. And maybe that. It's pretty fascinating world building that I hope we can get a little bit more information of. Mm-hmm. We- Definitely. Mm-hmm. We can probably get more into it in a future episode. Oh, we're going to have episodes, all right. <laughs> we're going to have episodes where Ellie just goes fucking ape shit. <laughs> it's just going to be us going, tell us more, tell us more. Ellie's going to be that picture of Kuhn with the whiteboard, like pointing at stuff. And the glasses. And I'm going to be the gif of the lady with the equations going over her eyes, like super confused. Oh god, I will try to explain so that you're not that confused. No, it's just because I'm dumb. No self-deprecation in this house. Fine, it's because I'm smart. <clears throat> I don't know if that was any better. It was better because I'm an intelligent goddess. <laughs> you are a brilliant goddess. A king of the realms. <laughs> you go, girl. You go, girl. So I think we can all agree that TOG deserves more recognition. Oh, for sure. Maybe some proper advertising would really help instead of putting some weird, obscure coming back pictures on Twitter. Yeah, stop being obscure, Webtoon. Stop I mean, it. I've, I've brought this up before, but Tower of God, I love the series, but like it kind of does a pretty shit job at advertising itself, even in just like the Webtoon section where you're looking at which Webtoons to read. And so the Tower of God Webtoon section, it doesn't really lend itself to giving a great idea of what the story is about. And when you see it on the Webtoons site and you think, okay, why is this Webtoon that high? Its art doesn't look that great. The cover image is also, it's it's a pretty old one from back in season one, and it doesn't explain what the series is actually about. So you so you don't really know what you're expecting to go in for. And so it kind of misses its target audience by a lot, because the ones it's, it should be targeting is at least the people who read action, who read shonen. And it kind of gives off a more horror adventure kind of look based just off the cover image so yeah maybe work on the advertising based for tower of god better i'll advertise for tower of god this is an advertisement for tower of god i mean it is. hey mom if you're listening please read it okay maybe let's advertise to more than just moms <laughs> <laughs> Also, yeah, anime fans, if you haven't re- read the webtoon, please go read the webtoon. The webtoon is, it's worth it. It's 
So worth it. Oh, that reminds me that I totally forgot to say this podcast, not spoiler free. Like, definitely you will be spoiled. So pause right now and then go read that webtoon. Just like suck it all in and then come back and you'll be ready for us. Suck it all in like Shinsu. Just don't attempt to finish it in one week like I did or you will die. Take your time. Take some notes because the story does get a little crazy. And come back. And then decide that Quaitra is your favorite character. No. Oh, God. Magpie's back on her Quaitra agenda. My Quaitra agenda is always on. You just never see it. (laughs) Magpie is just four agendas stacked in a court. And one of them is (laughs) Quaitra. It goes Quaitro, and then Rock, and then Hockney, and then me saying. Where's the Kunbam agenda? The Kunbam agenda is out and free, my friend. (laughs) Okay, you're not wrong. (laughs) I am definitely wrong. I mean, we're all just the Kunbam agenda. The webtoon is a Kunbam agenda. God, yeah, it is. We could talk about that all day. I look forward to the anime. (laughs) exploiting that i really do oh my god kun in the crown game in the anime what a king it makes me wonder if they read a different script than what the webtoons is it's like you know what i see what the end game is here let's just speed it up a little bit because this is the anime and we're not gonna finish it yeah like like they saw the slow burn they read the spanish script (laughs) oh god I hate that I understand that reference. And now Kuhn's gonna get... Kuhn keeps getting sent to Turbo Hell. (laughs) No, stop it. We're not bringing Supernatural into this. We are not bringing Supernatural into this. Okay, but have you seen on Tumblr the um, Ask blog? That's Kuhn Edouan. But all of his gifts are of Dean. I did not know that was a thing, and I did not want to know that was a thing. I know that thing because of M, so. Ugh. But now I think we need to move on to my favorite segment, which is the creator spotlight. So this is where we spotlight creators who we think need more recognition and who need all the love that we can give them. And today's spotlight is Riku Zoldic on Tumblr and AO3. Because, oh my god, Riku was one of my first interactions with other people in the fandom. And Mm -hmm. when I wrote Chestnut, I was worried that, like, no one would like it and that it sucked because I have anxiety. And then one day I wake up and this amazing artist who I followed drew fan art of my fan fiction. And it was Riku... And I was like, oh my god. Like, holy shit, man. <laughs> Dude, Riku draws amazing stuff and then she writes just really cute stuff. Or sometimes she, sh- she just decides she gets to break my heart and then she does. It's kind of terrifying but also kind of awe-inspiring. Like, Riku, how do you have so much talent? For real. Riku, how do you have so much power? And the way she draws Viol is the greatest thing ever her cute little veal chibis 
Like if she ever decided to make charms and sell them, I would buy them in an instant. <gasps> we need to tell her that. We absolutely need to tell her that. Yeah. I would definitely invest in that. Right. Maybe a couple. I would become a Fortune 500 company just so I could buy all of them. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, please go check you her out. No idea. And her stuff. I am the biggest Riku simp. This is not over. <laughs> Ellie, you think this is over? It hasn't even been five minutes yet. Oh, we have to keep talking. <laughs> I mean, feel free. We can always go on about Riku and lo uh, my love for her work for hours. <laughs> and hours. And like one of the first pod fix I did was of her soulmate AU, which is... It uh, adorable. Adorable. That one's, um, what's it called? I love you already. Oh, right. That one's actually one that I've put in my back pocket to reread a couple of times because it's just that entertaining. So definitely, if you guys want to give it a try, start there. Oh, God, yeah. It's so good. And then if you don't like to read, then listen to the podfic. Go listen to the yes, podfic. Yes, listen to my podfics. <laughs> This is now the magpie creator spotlight. Move aside, Riku. No, don't do that. I love Riku. So yeah, go check Riku's old link on Tumblr and AO3. She has, God, her writing is so good. And her art, her chibis, I would die for her chibis. I would die for her chibis. And I would die for her. So we're going to link her stuff down below in the description. And now we're going to move on to Ellie's favorite part. Analyzing Kuhn and Bomb's characters. So. Oh, man. So, like, which part do you want me to analyze? Do you want me to start with Kuhn or do you want me to start with Bam? Because this will be a very long po podcast if we sit around here analyzing every single detail. I mean, I'm fine with that, but um, which do you think, Razi? Let's start with Kuhn. <laughs> Oh god, I, I'm sorry. I, it's just um, I. That is the giggles of a madman. <laughs> exactly, because Kun is um, my favorite character in the series, and yes, I know that's kind of super basic because that's usually who everyone's favorite character in the series is. Because funky blue boy who's you know knife sharp, stabby. And still loves your feminine character and is soft for him. Who doesn't like that, right? Get in, loser. We're going shopping for Coon. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, but see, I think Coon's appeal is about a lot more than just, you know, being the generic best friend who who's kind of genius. Is still kind of super supportive. You mean it's not because he's super hot? <laughs> and because he's super hot. It's not because of his abs. <laughs> Okay, look, we have had, like, maybe two peaks at his abs, so they don't count. And they're glorious. He is, he is, like, swimmer ripped. Why do you know what a swimmer ripped is? <laughs> because um, in high school, I used to um, be one of the people who timed the swimmers as a volunteering thing. And I was very gay. So you, you had free eye candy? I had free eye candy. Were you good at taking the times or did you miss it all the time? I was perfect. Oh. 
I was great at it. Aww. Like, why would you want to disappoint the hot people? <laughs> why would you miss out on that chance, for sure? <laughs> so, yeah, Kun, um, aside from his hotness and his abs and his general glorious looks that we are all kind of, at least uh, have mild crush on, if not very interested in, but the thing about Kun that I personally really like is the fact that Bam coming into his life didn't change a lot, except it kind of did. But Kun was already changing his own life before Bam came along and Bam just kind of hit this speed forward button on that change rather than, you know, making Kun change all his worldviews and his approaches and mindset, which is a super different approach than what I'm used to seeing in Shonen with such characters. Where it's usually that the genius, smart, cold kinds of characters have to be coerced into playing nice with everyone else by the main characters. But Kun is different in that he was already willing to play nice and make allies and, you know, just work with people from the beginning. Even if his mindset behind it wasn't positive or great, uh, even if his mindset was more based around using people, it was that he was willing to make that step towards working with people that really stood out to me without needing Bam to teach him. Yeah, and he's the one that taught it to Bam too, wasn't he? Yeah, when Bam from first comes into the tower, he's in this very uh, fight or flight mode where he's like super anxious and worried about how to survive and he's considering how to that okay maybe i need to kill people maybe the only way to survive is to kill someone and then kun stops him from doing this and he holds out his hand and that's i think such a major factor in bam's approach while going up the tower that had kun not stopped him at that moment and you know shown him that okay you don't have to kill people you 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 don't have to immediately attempt to kill someone there's there's something else you can do and that's I think that made a huge impact on Bam that's like rarely discussed. It's definitely pretty different because like you were saying, usually these, usually you have one main character and all of these other characters mm -hmm. revolve around them. But like you said, Kun is an influence to Bam other than the other way around, Bam influencing people around him. Bam does influence people. It's not that he doesn't. But the way he influences people is also very much influenced by the people around him, which I know seems obvious, but it's not portrayed enough in Shonen. Yeah, but it's definitely portrayed a lot here. Yeah, it's not a one-sided relationship where it's just, you know, Bam's party and everyone else tagging along. It's, it's sort of interesting to think about how much Bam is affected by other people because Bam from the beginning is established as this character who has been very affected by Rachel and her views rather than his own views. Yeah. He's very he's very malleable at the beginning. He's mm -hmm. like he's like a uh, Play-Doh except you don't eat him. Yeah, he's more like a Play-Doh with you eat Play-Doh. <laughs> I was waiting for you to notice. <laughs> oh God! I don't think you're supposed to do that. I don't. You're not supposed to do that. Please don't eat Play-Doh. Please don't do that. To all the viewers or listeners out there, please don't do not eat Play-Doh. You you will need a visit to the hospital if you do that. And before people start going, well, it is safe, so kids who eat it, no, just don't. 
it doesn't mean just because it says safe for consumption doesn't mean that you need to eat the whole thing. It's okay if you accidentally eat some because kids. But th- you know what? Off the soapbox. You can have a little. You can, you can have a no. little play-doh. No, just no. <laughs> no. No dessert for you. No, do not listen to Magpie about eating Play-Doh. She does not know what she's speaking of. Don't listen to Magpie about 10 out of 10 things because I will lead you astray and I'll corner you in a back alley and I'll stomp you to death with my hooves. Oh, God. Oh, right. He's malleable like Play-Doh. Yes. But he... I also think he does have like uh, some certain principles he's not willing to bend on, except for Rachel. Rachel is sort of the exception to a lot of things because she's Rachel to him. But other than that, yeah. I think cert- certain things he's just not willing to bend on compared to everything else. Which are? <laughs> I mean, uh, obviously, it's one was betraying someone, especially girls. We saw that with Yuri and Black March during the Crown game. Right? So there's mm-hmm. that. It's basically just, you know, these little things that Rachel has taught him throughout the years that she's like, you cannot do this, absolutely cannot do this. And so he decided, so he had to learn, okay, I cannot do this. And that's just something that's, you know, very deeply embedded in his mindset because, um, because there was nobody to tell him or, you know, anything else to show him that, okay, you can do this and maybe it won't be so bad. You are allowed to do things that Rachel says you shouldn't. So he never really learned otherwise until, you know, the push. God, the push. Mm, what you say? That <laughs> you only meant well. Oh, God, there should be an edit with that. <laughs> I'm sure it exists. Oh, I hope not. Someone send me the link. <laughs> but yeah, the push was like a clicking turning point with bam and yet he still has his trust like despite all that he still keeps his trust in a lot of people and i think that's also pretty interesting for character development that's admirable i think too like if we're talking about him as a human rather than as a character because like being able to trust people after being hurt is hard I think it's actually really sad because I feel like Bam doesn't want to distrust people, that he has a fear of distrusting people because of his loneliness. Like, what if I distrust the very few people I have, then what do I have left? That's kind of the feeling I get from Bam's form of trust a lot, actually. Okay, fine. Break my heart. Screw you. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just, even with Rachel, even after the push, he wasn't willing to distrust her. Even then, he was like, I want to know why she did it, not just directly jumping to distrusting her. He was looking for every reason possible to, like, justify her actions, and then she didn't give him any. But even then, it's like, Bam doesn't like distrusting people because of, because he doesn't want to lose people. And if you want a good place to explore that, fan fiction is so deep in exploring that lack of, or that exploring his feelings on distrust. It's like our favorite thing to write, apparently. Just look at the <laughs> the tags. His relationship with every character gets explored that way. Mm-hmm. But like, it's definitely, I think, aversion, as you put it, is because uh, he really just doesn't want to question the people around him. And sometimes I think it's important to question the people around you. Like, 
Blind trust isn't always a great thing, even though it's portrayed as such. Sometimes it's important to question the people around you because you want to know them better. And because they're stupid. <laughs> and also because they're stupid. But mostly just like... That's why Rack is king. <laughs> I think it'll be interesting to see, because I don't think we've ever had Bomb lose this, like be betrayed like that by any other mm -hmm. character yet. So mm -hmm. it'll be right now he's kind of like holding on by a thread in the sense of that so far he has these people who he trusts, but it'll be interesting to see if in the future, hopefully see you can explore that breakdown. I wait, wait, curse thought, curse thought. What if Kuhn has to betray him in like a double cross? So he has like this big plan. So he has to betray him. So he doesn't betray him. I keep expecting that actually. Like everyone sort of predicted that something that's going to happen for the Kun family uh, that we are all super hype about is that Kun is going to either betray him or leave him behind for a bit. And I don't know if it will be this big plan where it's like a double cross or, you know, a double con. But everyone's been sort of predicting that if anyone betrays him, it will be Kun. Um, but I actually disagree. I think it's going to be Wagnon at some point. <laughs> oh, it's definitely Wagnon because him, him and Wagnon are like divergent characters starting from the same yeah. mold. Yeah. Right, exactly. Actually, the relationship between Bam and Wagnon kind of reminds me a lot of the parallels between in Code Gears, it reminds me a lot of Luluch and Suzaku's attempt approaches at, you know, fixing the problem, which where it's like one is attempting to fix the problem from inside the system and one is attempting to do that by toppling the system. And I think that's very reminiscent of um, Bam and Wagnon's approach, except Bam isn't really attempting to topple the system. He's just trying to keep his friends with him. And that somehow come to mean that he needs to topple the system. Sometimes the real friends we make is the revolution along the way. I I just messed that entire sentence up. I am so sorry. It's okay. Try again, buddy. Uh, sometimes the real revolution... Wait. That's fuck. it. You lost your chance. It's over. Next. I ruined it. You're They're done. kicking me out, man. But honestly, like... I personally feel like we're going to see Bomb become the bad guy, the enemy in the story. I look forward to that because I think that would be pretty contrasting to a lot of these. Comments. I think it'd be cool, but granted, I think Attack on Titan kind of went that way. Mm -hmm. AOT. I don't. I don't think Bam will become a bad guy, bad guy, but I think he'll be portrayed more as an antagonist to the tower itself, like the tower's existence. And that will be up to us to decide whether that's a good or bad thing. Yeah. I think that's what I was going for. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and that people, residents of the tower would see him as uh, the force of destruction that, you know, everybody keeps trying to pin him as, even though him in his, in his mind, he's only protecting his friends. But I want to see those lines get blurred. blurred. Because okay. it is a moral thing that... <laughs> No, I mean, uh, season three is already kind of heading that way. Like, Nest is this very personal war that's being fought with lots of lives on the lines. But it's a personal war rather than it being something for the tower itself. It's Bam's personal war. And it is the first time where he gets to see 
all of these people die and him accepting this is because of me and holding it together and accepting that the hug mm -hmm. it's also a huge loss of innocence kind of theme for bam here yeah poor, poor baby. baby he just keeps losing innocence <laughs> poor baby that's you know he just needs a hug oh wait I mean, he's kind of first that one, this particular one himself, since he's the one who decided, okay, let's wage a war on Zahat to get my pseudo father figure back. My pseudo father figure who I have an unhealthy relationship with. That we will not examine because that's, we don't do that in Hishonen. Uh, I want to examine it though. But fanfics do that. Fanfics do that. So you can always go check out fanfics, which do do that. Are we just advertising now is that what we are is that what this podcast is fanfic advertisement i mean <laughs> i mean i mean that's how we fill in the holes from the plot is that we go and write fan fiction about it and there's yeah. lots of it out there because there's lots of holes there's too many characters that are introduced there's too many yeah. storylines that are introduced and not enough there's so many open ends with every character. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of open-ended stuff. And it's like, I need to know. And if Sio doesn't tell me, I will fill this hole myself. And nobody is going to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Did you take a... Oh, God. That... <laughs> I feel like that got... Yeah. I feel like that got taken in a very different context from what I meant it as. I'm going to fill in the holes myself and nothing's going to stop me. <laughs> Only one of us interpreted that. And it's cursed magpie time. It's always cursed magpie time. Hey, I know the listeners listening in are going to think the exact same thing. I'm just saying what the people want. Uh -huh. I promise you, I meant that in a very safe for work manner. I meant plot holes and not other holes. Friendship holes. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, you fill in the fill in the Moving plot holes on. with fan fiction. You can talk while I lose my shit. <laughs> we are going to be not addressing Mac by losing her shit, and we are going to move on. God. So. So like yeah for oh I I was just gonna go prompt on. you to talk about their characterization, like during the seven years because mm -hmm. you have a lot of thoughts on that. Oh, I have so many thoughts on that that would need like two separate episodes on its own. Fine, like one each for Conan Bam. So it's uh, and it will also need need Aiku to be here. <laughs> Fine, I'll put that on the agenda. Let me just write it down. Except I don't have my paper. <laughs> Yay. But I love how how much of an inner conscience or like inner set of rules Bam has, but also how he's also so malleable too, and how he changes throughout the series. Because in a lot of shonen, the main character just like stays the same and they're always like, Friendship for the greater good. Come on, guys. Don't kill the bad guys. We're better than that. Sorry. That or they're super headstrong. They have one goal and they will just rampage through people, cities, towns, whatever. They will just destroy everything on their path to this one goal without any regard to their friends. I, 
I have no idea which two shonens you guys are weighing, but in shonen in general, I think is a trend where it's like this one super nice, super self-sacrificing protag with this one goal that he's willing to throw everything away for. And it's also like the protag is always willing to throw his life away, even for people he just met, because he has this super strong moral principles. And I don't know, I've always found that very weird. In terms of like, and also concerning, like, please get some fucking therapy. Why are you this willing to throw your life away for people you met like five minutes ago? I want to read um, what you're reading because all the stuff I read is I have this one thing that I want to, I want to accomplish and I will do whatever it takes to get there. That seems to mm -hmm. be most of my shonen experience. Same. Mm -hmm. I've seen that. I mean, I've seen that, but most of it is like the main character being portrayed as this one good guy who's going to overcome evil at all costs, regardless mm -hmm. of what it takes, right? That's true. That's a theme. Uh, but Yu-Gi-Oh count as a shonen because that's what I was vaguing. <laughs> oh god, Yu-Gi-Oh is a whole other kind of ball game that I will not get into. But let's just say the protagonists are not usually. Always the good guys in Yu-Gi-Oh. I'm talking Not about obvious. the original. It's time to do, 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 my bros. No, even even in the original, it's kind of there's been a lot of questionable choices made by the main characters. So yeah, even not even in the original. I mean, I've watched up till like halfway through fighties, so yeah. Anyways, we'll come back to weird card games of, and my obsession with them later. Um, with um, Bam, it's like, um, he's nice, he's really sweet, he's kind of, he's overall a good guy. But he's not sh typical shonen heroes in that he's willing to go to absurd lengths for people he just met like five minutes ago. For Bam, his motivation is and will always come down to his fear of loneliness, of losing his friends. And when it's like when the chips are down, he's always going to choose his friends and keeping them safe over everything else, even if it means other people's lives. And I think that's very fascinating because that's not really something that's like purely good or purely bad. It's just this very human feeling. Yeah. It does lead to some very ambiguous situations. Uh, I really like exploring. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except the story, like, never makes Bam confront the selfishness of his much. So I wish to see that explored in the future one day. I just wanted to say, like, that's why I like Bam so much more than other shonen protagonists, because he feels human to me. Because he, what he does is what I would do. Like, I don't give a shit about, I don't give a shit about the world. I give a shit about my friends, you know? And that's selfish of me. But... Mm -hmm. It makes me relate to him a lot more than someone who's like, I'm going to save the world and literally everyone I meet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In actuality, Bam is kind of written a lot like, uh, okay, so a lot of shonens have this thing called the late ranger that, you know, joins the team pretty late in the series and initially starts off on the side of the bad guys or something similar. Mm -hmm. So, like, a lot of Bam's characterization is kind of similar to that rather than just, you know, being one of the protags. And I think I find that very fascinating, especially his viol period was very much, you know, late ranger, the last person to the group for SNS, like, sweet, teen, sweet mm -hmm. and sour. He doesn't exactly fit in, 
but he's also there because he, that's the only place he has where he feels like family even though all he does is try to push them away yeah he can't he keeps continuously gets pulled into that kind of relationship because that's what he's drawn it's to it's his wants versus his needs mhm like it's the one thing he wants and that's the one thing he can't have and that's a, that's always been like the driving dic- dichotomy between behind his character that what he wants and what he should want are very different things yeah definitely mm-hmm. but it's just he just he want his, his friends him friends <laughs> i mean he does suffer yeah. that one consequence with then then ding 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 yeah yeah mm-hmm. but the ding ding thing just feels like he didn't really learn anything from learning uh, from suffering that consequence it is not as far as i've seen yet in season 3 yeah he kind of goes in and it's like oh man if i start promising things and just jumping in head first it might not go to plan and then he turns around and says i'm going to start a war yeah and like it's it's kind of terrifying because like they don't even know much about nest they 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 barely know anything about nest even with volion there and they all just decide to start a war on it anyway sometimes it be like that <laughs> yeah it definitely feels rushed and also taking too long i don't know how that's possible but he did it sometimes you can be a multitasker in the worst kind of way I think it's mostly the just that it really shows that Seo's health was receding at that point in the story because I feel like uh, that's the point in the story where it feels very forced that you know Seo was just doing it to do it and his heart wasn't mm-hmm. in it. But yeah, it's just sad. <laughs> Sometimes I can only speak in one word sentences. That's a mood. Do you want to address the 6 month hiatus? Oh, I was going to wait a couple more minutes, but oh, yeah. we can address it now. So, on to we were just talking about Slave and Utero, so we're going to talk about him again. Uh, we just want to discuss his 6-month hiatus and how we need to treat him well when he's recovering. Or again, hooves you stopped. Just just so you know. <laughs> Maybe we should find a more effective thread that's not just Magpie's hoof. Okay, I will grate uh, your back with a cheese grater. Oh, ouch. That that's a horrifying image. That's a very horrifying image and probably a very effective one. Hooves or cheese grater. <laughs> Take your poison. But yes, we should all just you know not be entitled about Seo's hiatus because I've already seen a lot of fans being entitled and really rude about it when it's like this man has worked himself to half death making content for us. Let him rest and recover. Yeah, I've seen comments where it's like, when Seo gets back, he better have like twelve episodes for us, and I'm like, shut, shut your mouth up, man. Just shut up. You are not entitled to his content. You are not entitled to his self. You are not entitled to anything because you get first of all, it's not a monetary transaction. It's free for you. Second of all, he is a human goddamn mm-hmm. being and you should treat him as such and respect him and his health. Right? You should treat everyone like that. There's nothing even then like he's a creator. and all creators have lives they all have health to worry about they all have 
bills to pay and i think people in general tend to forget with content creators that okay that's an actual live human being doing this work it's not just a machine for churning out content it's a person with their own life with their own stuff to worry about and people just kind of forget that about content creators a lot yeah they do because they only perceive their content they don't perceive the person mm-hmm. and the only time they perceive the person is when they don't get what they want mhm god it just makes me so angry god it really does like i mean if you ever read the blog posts that see you post with each chapter and like if you have been keeping up with the his blog post in the last few sections of season 3 it's it's sort of heartbreaking to see him mentioning each injury health related injury and it's like god please take her some rest please get yourself checked out and like you know recover from this we can wait we will wait you know we just want you to actually take care of yourself better before di- working on content for exactly. us exactly and like not only is he getting pushed around by the fans he's also getting pushed around by naver and webtoon or whatever you call it that's the dangerous thing about chronic conditions like that like for example i'm looking at his hiatus chart and before this event the most time that he would take off is like a week uh, a one time mm-hmm. he would took out for a whole month January 2020 took off a whole mm-hmm. but otherwise it was just like a week or two and he's been struggling with that chronic issue with his wrist for many years yeah because he draws like what 100 plus pages in a week that's that's mind blowing i can tell you as an artist that is not the kind of uh, content you should be churning out in a week that is the kind of content people take at least uh, two weeks to a month to usually make and this man is doing most of this for making free content for us god i love him so much yeah it really puts in the perspective the kind of injury that you get producing that and how much he's been pushing himself and how necessary mm-hmm. this is for him to stop and fully heal and i hope i hope i hope he learns his lesson and changes some habits i know we'll be getting less less pages less chapters less story but honestly if we could pack in a little bit more plot in there and draw a little bit less that would be yeah so amazing great like I'm okay with getting less fancy explosions, less pretty art if it means that this man is not halfway killing himself to make content for us weekly and as long as he ha- you know it gives him some actual time to think about what he's writing. Yeah, it just he needs time to breathe not only for his physical health but for his mental health and his like spiritual health as well because like that that grind, mm-hmm. that non-stop crunch that ruins you that makes it so much harder yeah it's kind of soul breaking mhm it's kind of soul crushing i know it's kind of super normal normalized in today's capitalistic society but that but that doesn't make it right mhm down with capitalism oh god down with capitalism you can see it in his blog posts and in the way that he phrases things that he's definitely depressed even before his injury he talks a lot about like the weather and missing his friends mm-hmm. not knowing what to do or his future like he is depressed and uh, i don't know i know in the beginning of his hiatus he was pretty lost still but then we started to see some notes of him saying like well i'm going out with friends and it's still 
he feels a lot of guilt in doing that. And I hope that in this hiatus, he's learned to love himself again, even though he's got all these bills to pay. But I hope, you know, spending time with friends and family has kind of rekindled that because he really looked at being in a bad spot. Can we, can someone please translate us and give us to see you? Just God. Tell, tell him that we love him and that he deserves to be happy and he deserves to be healthy. And that he deserves to be able to take time for himself and not feel guilty about it. And that Naver should pay him more. God, I'm fucking, I will fist fight Naver. I will join you. <laughs> I'll be the lookout. <laughs> There's nothing that's going to be left to look out for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fine, I'll be the cleanup crew again. <laughs> Threats of Violence, the podcast. Uh, we really are. This is, I mean, you know what? Fine. It's kind of fitting for a podcast about the tower to be filled with threats of violence. Uh, but yeah, I really hope like fans of Tower of God kind of learn to chill out and be more supportive of CU's health. Because it is not, you should not be working when you already have an injury and you're not fully recovering from it. Because that will just worsen it. And it will, it will come back and it will be worse for it. So even if you just want good content again consistently, let's see who have his time to fully recover. Yeah. Let the man recover, yeah. man. Even if you don't give a shit about CU, which, um, fuck you. But even if you don't, then if you give a shit about the content you're getting, you're gonna have to wait. Because that's the only way you're gonna get good content. Because if he keeps going this way, we're we're going to get worse and worse content because he's going to be worse and worse off. And then there's going to come a point where he can't make anything at all. Right? Like, I already wonder how he does content in his condition as it is. And I can't imagine it getting even worse. And I don't want him to work in that kind of condition. Nobody should have to work with, like, a back hernia and work through that. Nobody should have to do that. Exactly. It's just like... Yeah. God, this man deserves the. I I feel the same way about Slave in Utero as I do about Bam, and it's just like they deserve the world, you know. They deserve better, and they push themselves mm -hmm. so hard. They deserve naps, naps and hugs, please, and also money. Oh my God, did I just make a connection <laughs> in my brain? You did. You made a big brain connection. Wow, explosions. But just like him and Bam are so similar because like they feel guilty for doing things for themselves sometimes. And they also are just so committed to this one thing that they do anything for it. Like Bam in the rice pot where he just kept going back and back and back just because he wanted to get better and stronger to protect his friends is like CU going back and back and back to the webtoon just because he wants to give the content to the people. Because he loves it and he loves the fandom so much. Mm -hmm. He does. He really does. Like you can clearly see in each blog post just how much he cares for his story and also how the audience feels about it. I wonder then if this is going to reflect on the story. Are we going to see Bum get injured and not be able to do anything and really suffer about it? Stay tuned. I mean, I think that would be a cool arc. It would. Explore. Also very sad and painful. Oh, bring on the sad and the pain. Or someone could write it. Nose goes. Duh. 
I see all you angst gremlins out there just waiting with your keyboard. Iko, I see you. <laughs> Iko, I see you. I know you, Iko. <laughs> and I mean, I already wrote about Kuhn getting seriously injured. I'm not opposed to writing bomb. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> Ouchie. Oh boy. Give me those big ouchies. Bring it on. Uh, my my tears. All you all want is my tears. Just you know, in a cup. Slurp, slurp. In a cup. <laughs> I don't know what what is a good way to drink tears in a mug. In a mugs glass, are for warm cup. drinks. Ooh, a a chalice. chalice. A chalice. <laughs> that's fancy. Yeah, that's the only way. Your tears are worth all of the chalices. <laughs> I don't know whether to be honored or mildly horrified. <laughs> you should be mildly horrified. Both. You can be flattered and mildly hor- horrified that people want to drink your tears from chalices. Yeah. And I think where I want to go from here is talking about the content creators in the fandom. Because we talked about Slave in Utero, so now let's talk mm-hmm. about us. Okay. Um... Is this anything specifically you want to address about content creators? Or? Just us talking about like how it vibes, how it goes. <laughs> I mean, I think it depends. Each part of the fandom has its own unique experience. Like the Twitter fandom oh of Tower of God scares me. It, it terrifies me. I just, I go to sleep, I wake up and uh, I decide not to check Twitter so that I don't have to... You know, these sea cursed images. Twitter is your sleep paralysis demon. <laughs> I hate how accurate that is. They are a very imaginative group. Uh, mm-hmm. It very much plays into Twitter's whatever first comes to your brain, just spew it out. And mm-hmm. boy, do they spew it out. It, <laughs> some crazy stuff comes out of there. Oh, some insane art, uh, some mm-hmm. insane figs, very cursed, but also very horny. So please, very cursed. Browse of caution. Very horny. Proceed with caution, and don't proceed if you are under eighteen. I'm seeing you, underage people. But also very creative. <laughs> but like a lot of Twitter content is also very creative, and it's amazing. And if I weren't scared of the cursed horny section i would totally interact with the more cool not the cooler section how do i put it the less scary people who actually make really cool stuff i've been reaching out to them they're super nice people very appreciative they'll shower you with praise it's feels the same uh type of energy that we get in all of the other groups nice. that i've touched base in mm-hmm. god i love the content creators here Mm-hmm. same like we're all very supportive of each other and it's like if one of us has an idea we all just kind of uh, encourage it and enable it until it kind of goes out of control and i think that's kind of super cool that we're also super supportive of each other yeah you enabled me you and me talking like all night enabled me to write my bird au which is like my favorite <laughs> au right now have you read it rezzy rezzy have you read it I, I started reading it. What do you, um, I think I'm still what do you think? like three quarters of the way of the first chapter. Uh, it's interesting. I haven't quite gotten to the meat of it. It's very different. Very different. So I'm going to need some time to really like digest it. I don't know if that was an insult <laughs> or not. I would 
No, I mean, I think it's a well thought of compliment rather than just, you know, being blindly, oh, I loved it. And that's, I think I prefer that, you know, something that's more genuine. Yeah. Yeah, I think I prefer different. Because my whole thing with the birds AU was like, I didn't want it to be the same thing. And also I am an animal <laughs> science major and I love birds. And you're very valid. And uh, I mean, I am the one who enabled you. Uh, I have a huge soft spot for your bird birds AU because it's like it sort of combines a lot of things that I liked about the original series but it also has a more feral aspect to it and I think all of us just want to see characters go feral like that's a huge thing for this fandom for some reason all of us just want to see different characters go batshit crazy sometimes aren't you tired of being nice don't you just want to go ape shit <laughs> I like nice <laughs> I'm, st I'm still in the fluff phase oh god Razzy you are <laughs> you are an angel <laughs> oh no like compared to the rest of these aliens you are an angel <laughs> I th thank you I think so I'm an alien <laughs> I, I mean you're a what you're a wizard you're a wizardary <laughs> oh no wizard derogatory <laughs> You are a multi-purpose tool. You got a little <laughs> bit of everything, and you do it all well. I don't know how else to say it. You want angst? You got it. You got fluff? You got it. You got to go feral? Fucking, you got it. I don't think there's anything you have touched yet that I've been like, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. How am I supposed to respond to that? <laughs> I mean, you could also just accept it. I am accepting it. I am processing it. My brain is going, not working, not working. Compliments, too many today. <laughs> well, you'll have to get used to that. Uh, that's the thing. Like, I grew up, sad background story, start playing the tiniest violin. But I grew up where, like... I didn't get a lot of compliments or anything because it was always expected of me to do the best, to be the best. And so I really felt demotivated a lot of the mm -hmm. time. But I came here into this fandom mm -hmm. and like people are like, I love this. This is so great. Like you are so nice and warm. And I'm like, <laughs> this is the happiest I felt in a long time because getting that validation and knowing that other people see you as a person that they can trust and enjoy content from is really great. Mm -hmm. So that's my sad background. That's okay. I think everyone likes having validation even without a sad background. Like, who wouldn't want good validation of the content they make? And this fandom is so full of validation. It really is. It really is. Like, if you're one of those people out there that hasn't quite worked themselves up to interacting with the fandom, that's valid. But also, if you ever feel up to interacting with people, just, you know, hop in, say hi. Say, send, send us a DMs talking about Tower of God. Literally message me. It is my favorite thing when people message me. Like, I get a message and I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, interaction, friendship. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so. But you know, in a normal way, in a cool way, because I'm a cool content creator who isn't a weirdo. You can be both. Because I'm a multi-purpose tool. 
Oh God, whenever anyone says tool, I just get like flashbacks to Bam thinking of himself as a tool and Aiko's workshop, which oh, I'm no, not going to get that? into. It's no. just, it's, it's very painful. Uh, but yes, moving on. How different is your experience from other fandoms, Rezi? From the other fandom that you were in? There was a very wide gap in the quality of content. You had people that were definitely had already like printed novels and writing stories that were just absolutely gorgeous. And of course, those would be the ones that got all the attention in the fandom compared to those that were just writing for the first time. And obviously they weren't as great when you compare them to masterpieces. So they just didn't get any attention. And so it was really discouraging for new people entering the fandom to get that validation, to keep going, especially because it also became a very big fandom. It was very easy to get drowned out. And I think that's kind of what I got burned at is that it was the first fandom that I started publishing work for. And it's just kind of discouraging to be in a group that is like over a thousand people and you only get two, three comments. Mm-hmm. And, and they're all like, when's the next chapter? Fuckers. You know, it, it's not even, yeah, it's, it's yeah. not even validation. It's, it's what, it's, what else do you have? And it's, yeah, it's entitled fans again. I hate, yeah. I hate entitled comments. I'm sorry. Yeah, I kind of get that. Like, I love writing, so I personally write for myself first and then an audience. But even just my experience with Tower of God was that when I posted my first piece for this fandom, I immediately got around, I think, four or five comments, which I know doesn't seem like a big deal for people who who come from bigger fandoms or are used to getting a lot more comments. But it was like, my first posted piece on AO3. So I was just really surprised I got even that much. And these people were just genuinely interacting with my content. And that kind of just, you know, really warmed my heart. Because I'm not a big content creator at all. I'm just, I kind of just sit in my own corner and make content. So that was surprising to me. But the Tower of God the fandom is super wholesome about it. as the, Even the AO3 one in that. People usually try to leave comments. They try to interact with your content. And I think that's really sweet. Yeah. To give you a, a contrast, um, my wife's fan fiction, the other day she showed me, because she had reposted it, had over 100 comments in it. And I was blown away. I was like, that's amazing. And she's like, yeah. When I first posted it, it had over 1,000. Holy oh, shit. And it blew my mind this is that's how big that fandom was to give Mm -hmm. you an idea Mm -hmm. so for one of the more popular fan fictions to get over a thousand comments and then compared to me on the bottom of the barrel because my name was not known to get two to three comments like it it's quite a contrast the bigger the fandom is and Mm -hmm. that's why even getting like my average here on this fandom is like five comments and that's amazing Mm -hmm. to me Uh, Mm. it is still much more valuable to me than the ones that I used to get, which asked for the next chapter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So before um, Tower of God, I was into Mystic Messenger, the Otome game that was super big for and during, I think, 2016. Like it was huge during that time period. And I was pretty involved in that fandom on Amino. 
So the thing with that was that you know, when I wrote stuff for it, I, I didn't post it on AO3. It was solely on the uh, Amino for Mystic Messenger. And I used to get a decent amount of interaction with it. Like, not like 100,000 comments, but at around like 40, 50. But a lot of them were very generic. Oh, this is good. This is great. And okay, that is good. That is kind of, um, that is validating, but it it's also feels very empty mm-hmm. compared to the kind of, kind of interaction I tend to get in this particular fandom now where people actually tell me what they liked about a story or which parts of the story spoke out to them. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes, I do see that new trend. Yes, and we are going to be talking about comments and the like on an episode of Friday Night Fandom, so look forward to that. But what I was going to say is I'm really glad that TOG is a smaller fandom because it gives so many of these people who are just starting out a footstool, a stepping point, and they don't have to be yeah. afraid of like not being good enough because everyone is good enough. And that's true in every mm-hmm. fandom, but it's hard to see when there are creators that get like thousands of comments and thousands of different likes and views and all of that stuff. And so it can be mm-hmm. discouraging, but here, because we're smaller... And because we're so hungry for content, we're just like, yes, give me that. And there's also like an active attempt to boost content made by smaller creators. Like obviously there's you that I've seen that actively reblogs a lot of small time creators. But even just other somewhat bigger blogs do that in, in this fandom where it's like all of us try to boost smaller creators. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I see someone that has... You know, maybe their art is still pretty beginner and uh, they only have like five likes. I'm like, oh, heck yeah, I'm gonna blow you up. Hold on. Beginner art is my favorite because it's like, it's like so full of passion, you know, because you do it and you know that you're a beginner, but it's still like you do it because you care about it and not because you think Mm -hmm. that you're great. And I just love that. I love the passion that I see in beginner works and beginner art and beginner edits and beginner fan fiction it's just like amazing to me the amount of passion that Mm -hmm. people can put into this sorry i just i love all of you (laughs) and we love you too but (laughs) on that note so this brings us to the end of our episode and we just want to thank you all for listening in I am so glad that we have listeners, especially listeners like you, and I'm glad to be a part of this fandom. Be sure to check out our socials in the description down below. We'll have our Turtle Talk socials as well as our individual socials, and catch our other podcast, Friday Night Fandom, where we'll be talking about the history of fandom and fandom gatekeeping in two weeks. So have a wonderful day or a fabulous night, Turtles. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. And if you don't respect our pronouns, I'll stomp you to death with my hooves. Would you... How would you condition your hooves for stomping? Well, I'd give them nice sanding, and then I'd put on soccer shoes that are made for hooves because they have spikes, and then I'd fucking jab it in right in your genitals. Wow, Craig is recording that I said that. I'm going to take that out of context. <laughs> and I'm going to put it out on the soundboard whenever we get some haters. Yes.
put me on a soundboard. <laughs>